Hi everyone, Allie here. We hope you are as excited for part two of Kim's interview as we are. Like Dan mentioned last week, this is probably a better one to listen to without any kids around. We will be discussing the details of murder investigations, exhuming bodies, and drugs. So if these are sensitive topics for you, it might be better to skip this week. We hope you enjoy! Welcome to 24-Hour Expert. You'll enjoy this podcast if you're someone who likes learning about different topics or just enjoys a good old fun fact. I'm Allie. And I'm Dan. Each week, we challenge each other to become an expert on a random topic in just 24 hours. Now it's time to find out how much we've learned. Dan. Hey. I still don't feel like being the expert, so I think we should continue to let Kim be the expert this week. I think that's a good idea. And it has been a really long time since we talked. So long. I feel like it's been a week. Like a whole week. Can you give us just a quick recap of what we talked about last week? We talked about so many things last week. We got to meet Kim, who is awesome. She told us all about how some of our favorite shows actually do a good job, like Forensics Files, and how some of our favorite shows like CSI don't do a great job. We talked about how, sadly, Luminol is not as awesome as you thought it was. We talked about DNA and how we don't have to worry about leaving our DNA somewhere. Unfortunately, Kim has not got to throw a dummy off a building. And we also talked about how if you go into forensic science, they're not going to drop you off on a crime scene on your first day all by yourself. Which is a good thing. We don't want that. No, that would be terrifying and scary. But let's get into this week. Welcome back, Kim. Thank you. So happy to be here again. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for driving all the way back. No problem. I I have a lot to say. I just really like hanging out with you guys. Oh, thank you. We like hanging out with you too. If you ever want to come back and be an expert on something you're not an expert, let us know. Really? Like a guest (laughs) non-expert? Oh, that would be really fun. (laughs) Oh, actually, that's a really great episode idea where we challenge someone to become an expert on a topic where they got to do no research. That would be crazy. (laughs) So we just ask questions. You just had to make up the answers for a half hour. As a forensic scientist, I get sent to expert witness school where they actually train me to like tips and tricks on how to be a good expert witness in court. And that's kind of one of the things we have to do. Like they give you a topic and you have five minutes to brainstorm and then you have to present on this topic that you know nothing about in front of a classroom room of people and you get recorded and then everybody basically gets to critique you afterwards. And it is, I mean, if you're not somebody who's like super confident and loves public speaking, it's terrifying. Oh my gosh. Do you remember what your topic was? Gutting a deer. See, I would actually know a little bit something about that, but I have hunters in my family. Oh, I knew nothing about it. So, uh, and this is before we had cell phones. Again, I'm dating myself. And this is before we had cell phones where I could go in the hallway and Google it. Like I literally just had to sit in the hallway and think about this for five minutes, which I had nothing, and then go and talk about this in front of a room and be recorded on VHS and have to go back and watch it later and... It's ridiculous. That was one of my questions was whether or not you had to go to court and testify. Does that happen pretty often? No, I probably go testify maybe two, three times a year, if that. And actually, as a crime scene expert, I've only testified, I think, maybe two or three times on actual crime scenes. Everything else has been on my drug analysis side of things. Okay. That's one thing I wanted to get into this week was more of your drug analysis, because I know we talked more general last week. So when you say you do like drug analysis, like give us an example of something that you would do and then how that evidence would be used. So let's say if somebody's driving erratically down the road, an officer 
officer pulls them over and they have, oh, the bag of oregano, you know? And so an officer would collect that and then they would submit it to the lab and then they would bring it to me. And I would do some tests on it to see if it was marijuana. Um, I wouldn't be able to actually test if it was oregano or not. Like I'm not specifically trained in detection of oregano, but what we do is we take pills, plant materials, powders, um, liquids, all different kinds of things. And then we try to just see if there's controlled substance present or not. Okay. I remember one Thanksgiving where my uncle had challenged everybody, like my dad and all the brothers to smoke oregano. And it was like this big joke. And then growing up and thinking about that, they probably were never smoking oregano. They were actually smoking, but that was like the whole joke with the family. Oh my gosh, that's funny. (laughs) That is funny. It's like when we talked about the cartoons, how you watch them as adults and you catch all these jokes that go like way over your head as kids. Right. Dan's mom, can you please email me at 24hourexpert at gmail.com and let me know about this? Uh, but make sure you spell out all the words. Spell out all the words, please. There was one time, and I, I can't get into specifics, but I was being interviewed by lawyers. And anybody that knows me knows that I'm just a yap, 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 yap. I can't shut up. And my personality and my demeanor in any type of lawyer or court situation would would be awful. Just awful. See, Dan, now that is something that you would learn in expert witness school. You want to keep your answers short and concise. You don't want to give the lawyers too much. <laughs> right. Only answer the question that's being asked, right? Correct. That's interesting. Because I remember when I was working on my DNA analysis degree, we did in one of my classes a mock trial. And unfortunately, we ran out of time, like number of classes left. So the teacher who was a forensic scientist and had been to court, she just pretended to, she gave us all scripts. And then we just questioned her. We didn't get to be question, but I remember her talking about all these things. Yeah. I remember her talking about explaining her credentials and explaining how tests work and why they were valid. And I just thought that was interesting that you have to go through that. Yeah. Pretty much every time you have to go through your voir dire. That's what it's called. Oh. Is that a French word? I think it is. Oh, we wow. Know French? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> or could it be Latin? Oh. Oh, we'll have to Google it. I'm not sure. Kim, you're supposed to be the expert, so... <laughs> I just know we use... that. We just use Wardier in court. I don't know what language it is. <laughs> so in your... In the whole, like, the drug realm of things, you always see on TV where the husband or the wife is feeding the other person, like, rat poison in their oatmeal or paint thinner in their coffee. Like, has that happened in real life? Yes. Yes, it has. Oh. Yes, I've had I've had the the very typical antifreeze in the in a box of wine. That's happened. Oh, yeah. cuz I've heard antifreeze is sweet, isn't it? It is. And this was a box of sweet wine. It was a domestic dispute between a boyfriend and girlfriend and I think I believe it was the girlfriend who put the antifreeze in the wine. I don't know for sure who did what. I just know there was antifreeze in the wine. Why would they make it sweet? I think just the chemical composition of it is just sweet by nature. But don't you think that's one of yeah. those things where they would make it bitter just so people know? Like natural gas doesn't smell like egg. They just make right. it smell like egg. Well, I assume they're hoping that people aren't dumb enough to drink antifreeze. Well, yeah, you're not going to drink it. But what if someone's putting it in your Franzia? That's a good question. I don't know. Maybe they obviously have not accounted for that. How much antifreeze would one have to consume to be lethal? I honestly don't know, but I, I doubt it's very much. I mean, yeah. 
I think it's pretty nasty stuff. And I'm also wondering how they even got it in the wine or in, into the box. That's interesting. Oh, they just cut a little hole in the top and put it in. I mean, it was very clear that the box of wine had been tampered with. They were not careful about that. Oh, wow. Not to be like stereotypical, you would have thought that the, the man was poisoning the wine for the woman. What's kind of shocking in this story is that it was the man that was drinking the boxed wine. So I've heard, and I don't know how accurate it is, but I believe when it comes to poisonings, women are more likely to poison people than men are. Really? I think so. I think I've heard that somewhere. I mean, I'm an expert, so... Um, in this particular case, she was trying... Now, again, this is the police side of things in their investigation, but supposedly they had gotten into a fight. I don't know if he like beat her up or what happened, but she put it in the wine to make it look like he was trying to poison her. Oh. So you are, in fact, correct. Oh. Like, yes, it, she, it was her box of wine. She was drinking out of it, but I think she wanted to make it look like he was poisoning her. So then she, I think, had a little bit of it. Not enough. I don't, again, I don't know how much it would take to make her really sick, but I believe she had a little bit. And then she took it to the police and was like, hey, look at this. He tainted my wine. And I don't know how and if they were able to prove that right. who did what, but it just comes to me and I just test. I mean, that's not even a normal thing I, I usually do. Like, I don't normally check for ethylene glycol. Like that's just not a normal test for me. So that was something where I tried it to see if I could do it. And when I thought we had it, then I actually sent it to our trace unit. And then their scientists who are, they have more instrumentation and have better ways of detecting that sort of thing. I mean, they, they have more experience in that. So then they did an other testing to kind of confirm it. So that was a little bit outside my expertise. So that's why I sent it out to another. Zone. That's interesting. One of the questions I had is when they have new technology or they have a new test or they, they have something, a new method to discover evidence. How does that get approved? Is it, sci- I assume it's scientific studies and then, you know, it goes through the, the scientific process. But at what point does a department or a court, who decides like, okay, this is now admissible as a valid test for whatever we're testing for? That really kind of depends on the test itself. So, I mean, there are, like, if we get a new instrument at the lab, I mean, even though that instrument has been used for years and years and years, but even a brand new instrument in the lab has to be tested and validated before we can actually put it into service and use it. And then if there is a new technique that's out there, like a new technology, I mean, that will come into the laboratory and then we have to in-house like validate that for our purposes to make sure that it works for the samples that we get and things like that. It is up to the courts to decide they want to allow a certain technology or not. But I mean, typically, if there's something that's generally accepted by the scientific community, it isn't an issue. And all the analysts, like if there is a new instrument or a new technique or reagent or technology that we're using, we all have to be trained in it too. So there, there really is a lot that goes into it. And the laboratory that I work for is an accredited laboratory. So there are other laboratories out there that may not be accredited. So they may not stick to as many stringent rules as we do. I mean, you guys may be familiar with, I mean, there's at least one lab out in Massachusetts that had some issues with an analyst dry labbing. And then there was another analyst that was taking some drugs while on duty. And I'm not saying that an accreditation would have stopped that, but it may have, it may have caught the problem earlier. So I'm just saying like these accreditations put these things in place so that we are basically following very strict rules and protocols to, you know, provide excellent service. 
service. One of the questions I had was, as marijuana gets legalized across the states, there's quite a few that just happened in the last election. Has that changed your job at all as a drug expert? Yes, absolutely. I happen to live in one of the states where there's been a lot of changes in marijuana legalization. And so there's new laws on medical marijuana versus recreational marijuana. And then there was what they call a farm bill that was passed. So that basically legalizes the production of industrial hemp. And so all of these things change all of the rules about who can have marijuana. It's based, you know, are you 21 or older, where you can have it, like you can't be having it near schools and their hand-to-hand transactions. And there's a lot of different rules. So based on all those things, it changes how we have to analyze marijuana itself. So it's, yeah, it's made it a lot for a lot more work for us. <laughs> so in all your time out on crime scenes, what is the weirdest piece of evidence that you've ever had to collect? Uh, that is a good question. There's been a lot of really weird things through the years, but I would have to say chunk of a garage floor that had a note written in the victim's blood on it. <gasps> oh, that's so weird. So you guys had to like remove part of the floor. Yes. Somebody came in with a concrete cutter and cut out this message written in blood on the floor. And that was collected as evidence. You can't tell us what the message is, right? To be honest, we couldn't figure out what the message was. It was just random letters. And they tried really, really hard to figure out. I mean, this is this is like one of the downers, right? In a TV show, this would have been something really, really cool. But in real life, it was like distorted letters and nobody could figure out what it was. And they tried so many different enhancement techniques to figure out what this message was supposed to be to figure out who killed these people. And it's still it, the, the the murders unsolved. And it was a double it was a double homicide. Wow. Oh, that is yeah. just crazy. Yeah. So you can imagine, like, if you are trying to crawl to get away from this person who's Ugh. stabbing you, that your message is probably not going to be legible. So in this particular case, the son was the main suspect, and he was eventually, they found him not guilty in court. So it's a cold case now. You mentioned earlier, maybe last week, that a lot of cases, you know, unfortunately go unsolved. Have there ever been a cold case that after a period of time, you have gotten new evidence or the police have gotten a new lead and has eventually been solved? Yes, I think so. Uh, I know that as early in my career, I went to, there was a young woman who was exhumed and they did that to be able to try and get DNA possibly off from under her fingernails. And so I believe that they were able to solve that case after getting the DNA from her fingernails, I think. And then there was another cold case that I helped out with where we were looking for a missing, a young girl who went missing and the, the man who we think killed her was already in jail for another crime. And he kind of wanted to strike a deal with the police. And so he said, well, if I tell you where I think this girl is, you know, can I get a, a deal on my jail time? Or maybe he just did it for attention. I'm not really sure why. But he gave some details and a and a map to like where this girl was buried by this riverbed. And so we went there and we did an excavation and we found her. And oh, so wow. it wasn't necessarily, I think, that, that they were able to pin her murder on him, but at least it was some closure for the family because it had been decades and they didn't know what happened to their little girl. I think she was only like 15. Oh, wow. And so it was kind of really cool to, I mean, 
obviously sad to find her, but she was like buried with like cassette tape and her purse and things. And like, that was just really meaningful to the family to have these items and to know where she was and what happened to her. Right. Yeah. To give them closure. That is such a gift. And so, yeah. Yeah. Under horrible circumstances, I can see how that would be nice to give that to them. Yeah. Another thing, real versus fake for forensic science is like, unless I make a conscious effort to like really follow the cases that I work on, like there's nobody that comes to me and says, hey, Kim, like this is the outcome of this case, you know, so you go in and you do this work on these things. And unless you really follow it and watch the media or like reach out to officers in charge of the investigation, like there's so many cases that I really don't know what's ever happened with them. Like I did work on it and it just kind of went somewhere and (laughs) I don't even know. So there's some I have followed through the years so I know from my own peace of mind what happened, but there's a lot of them that I'm like, well, it, I did the work and I forgot about it. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because it, it's totally not like how it's on TV where you start the case, you're at the crime scene, you're working hand in hand with the officer, you're interrogating the suspects, processing the evidence. You're just one piece of the pie and you don't get to do the whole chain of events. Right, yeah. And so I think, I mean, there's probably a lot of scientists out there who, who do follow all of their cases from beginning to end, but I maybe I'm just lazy or I have too much going on but yeah there's just so well, many like cases you said, I'm like you're so I, I don't busy. know I don't know what's happened to them so you know I'm like well once in a while I'll see something in the news and I'm like oh hey I remember that case I'm glad I found you know I know what happened with that well, I think in a lot of ways, like mentally, that would be really draining. That's a lot of like, you're carrying a lot of weight to try to figure out what happened with all these. So I think it's it's more of like, just the reality of it. You you probably couldn't follow everyone. It would be too tough. Yeah. Has there been one that's really stuck with you? Yeah, there's been a couple. I mean, one for sure that when I was describing about the young girl who was like just sitting at home, like a Friday night watching a movie or whatever she was doing, but she was, you know, and then, you know, her neighbor comes over and, you know, kills her and like that. That just kind of was a freaky one because it's like if I was that person I probably would have opened the door for my neighbor and let them in and you know so I definitely lock my doors more now than ever just because I don't know you just you never know sometimes so that one stuck with me and then um, I had another case that was pretty difficult just because it was a, a young girl who got upset with her parents because she was dating a guy they didn't like and so they grounded her and they took her cell phone away and so she had the guy for obvious reasons by her parents parents didn't like him, she paid him and his buddy $500 each to kill her parents. And oh my gosh. They, they were successful for her dad, but her mom lived. And that one has just been like so upsetting to me to think, wow, what a small thing for her to be so upset. About. Like, yeah, I'm just gonna have my parents murdered. Had this huge retaliation because yeah. she had her phone taken away. Yeah. And dating wow. a guy her parents didn't like, which Obviously, he was a bad guy. (laughs) I see why they didn't like him. Red flags, obviously. Has, because, you know, a lot of people now have ring doorbells. I have desk cams all over my house. So just warning anybody out there, you're on camera when you come to my house. Have those helped in investigations over the years now that they're a lot more prevalent? I have to be honest, I haven't actually, full disclosure, I haven't actually worked on a scene in a few years since I've become a mom. Kind of taken a bit of a hiatus from crime scenes. So a lot of the stuff I'm talking about is, you know, years ago. So I don't really have any like firsthand knowledge about whether or not those have helped with scenes. I mean, I imagine they may offer some information, but I honestly, yeah, I don't know the answer to that. I'm sorry. 
So I have to ask you, when you were talking about cases that stuck with you, when I was working in a lab, I primarily did microbiology. And when people found out I did microbiology, they would always ask me, oh, are you a total germaphobe? Because you know how dirty everything is. And there's certain things that I am particular about, but I don't think overall that I'm a germaphobe. Do you think that your job has given you any kind of quirks or anything like that, that maybe you wouldn't have if you didn't do it? Absolutely. I, like I said, I lock my doors all the time. If I'm walking to my car at night, I will look under the car to make sure no one's under there, no one's in my back seat. And again, I know that most crimes are going to happen by someone who probably loves me dearly if something's going to happen to me. (laughs) But I still, yeah, I won't leave my kids' windows open at night. I don't care if it's 100 degrees outside, their windows will be locked. Our doors are locked at night. Yeah, I made my husband put up cameras all around our house. Like you, Dan, we have cameras everywhere. I don't know. Yeah, and I think it's just because, I mean, a lot of people do it, but I feel like I just know more than the average person. So I carry pepper spray with me. Yeah, it's a lot of little things that I do, I think, just because I'm a little freaked out because I see I see the worst in humanity in my job. Right. That's totally understandable. Do you have any tips for us? Like things like you see like scenarios over and over that you see you're like these scenarios you need to be hyper aware. Like I know I lived in a big city for a while and they say, you know, don't be walking down the street looking at your cell phone. You need to be looking around. You need to be aware of your surroundings. Any of those kind of things. Yeah, I mean, those are all good tips. I mean, it's probably nothing that's specific to my experience, but just, you know, I have a vested interest in forensic science. So I listen to forensic science podcasts, I read books, like I've looked into these things and things about serial killers. And so they say like, you know, don't leave your blinds open, especially at night, like you should have your blinds closed so people can't be peeking in and watching you and you should change up your driving pattern. So you're not driving the same way to work all the time, pre-COVID stuff. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, but there, there, there is one thing that really stuck with me. And this is another crime scene that I worked. And it was two gang members who needed to be basically had a laundry list of crimes they had to commit to be initiated into a gang. And one of the things they had to do was rob a bank and they had to murder someone. And so at this bank, they grabbed this woman. And, you know, after they robbed the bank, they grabbed her and they presumably were going to take her outside the bank and take her to a location and kill her. And this woman just like they grabbed her and she just went limp and dropped to the ground. And they were like, oh, yeah, and just like dropped her and left. And I think that's one of the things that's kind of stuck with me is if you can go limp and get away from this person, then do it. You don't want to have a criminal take you to a different location because unfortunately they were successful with the next person and they grabbed a guy from a subway and, you know, they hit him over the side of the head, threw him in the trunk and then took him to an abandoned house and they killed him. And then that's the crime scene that I worked. So just having that knowing, wow, that woman was so close to losing her life. And this one thing that she did, she made this effort to get away. I don't know. I mean, maybe that would never work in my situation. If that no, happened to actually, me, <laughs> I was just going to say, so I was watching a TikTok video and it was a self-defense one. The woman in it talks about that. She goes, think of what a toddler would do when you're trying to pick them up to do something they don't want to do. They go limp. They're flailing like crazy. So she said, when you're in a situation, she echoed the same thing. Don't let anyone take you anywhere. Go limp, flail like crazy, make as much noise as you can. She's like, act like a toddler. Yeah, I think that's a good piece of advice. Because in this case, like I just think about that woman and I'm like, wow, that saved your life. And and, and the guy, I don't know if that would have made a difference because, you know, they hit him over the head first. So he was at a disadvantage. And right. But it just, yeah, those things just stick with you, you know? It's like, oh, how would they not? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> 
Well, Kim, you shared so much interesting information. Some of it is very heavy. So I want to end on a lighter note. Okay. So are you ready for the 24-hour expert lightning round? I hope so. (laughs) Okay. What is your favorite piece of equipment at work? Gas chromatograph mass spectrometer. (laughs) Okay, what does it do? Analyzes samples for the presence or absence of a controlled substance. Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Where is your favorite place that you've traveled? Turkey. Savory or sweet? Ooh, sweet. What is your favorite color? Purple. Do you like LaCroix? No. Oh. It's trash. <laughs> Sorry, LaCroix. I don't want to hear that. If you went to Hogwarts, what house would you be in? Oh my gosh, it's been a while since I've read the books. Is it Gryffindor? Or is that... Gryffindorf? No, Gryffindor. <laughs> <laughs> Gryffindor is one, yes. Gryffindor. Really? Which one was Harry Potter in? Gryffindor. Okay, that's the one. What is your numerology number? I'm a six. Ooh, like Dan. Ooh, me too. I am. Summer, spring, fall, or winter? Summer. Dog or cat? Dog. I'm your side of the family, so not your husband's side. Mm-hmm. Who is your favorite cousin-in-law? <laughs> Allie! (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. That's all my lightning round questions. (laughs) That was fun. Kim, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. I hope that I enlightened you all on forensic science the best that I can in my limited years of experience. Dan, I'm sorry that I ruined Luminol for you. It's fine. If I got anything wrong, just let me know. And it was a lot of fun having you. And of course, in the future, if we have a lot of questions that come in, or maybe we need to follow up, we'll definitely have you back because this was a ton of fun. Yes, I know yeah. how to get a hold of you. Yeah, you do. So Kim, any final words? Well, it's your knowledge now. You're free to forget it or do with it what you will. And of course, as always, if there's anything we got wrong, you can email us. And if you have any questions for Kim, you can email us as well at 24hourexpert at gmail.com. Spell out all the words. That is also our Instagram, and you can follow us there. Awesome. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to 24 Hour Expert. Our theme song is Lo-Fi World by Ricky Bombino. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe so you're notified of future episodes.